WAER Sports proudly presents the Ostrom Avenue Podcast. And Syracuse has knocked off NC State 24-9. The students rush the field. The Orange are bowl eligible in 6-0 for just the third time in the last 87 years. Syracuse stops out the Spiders. It took overtime to do so, but the Orange claim the first semifinal of the Empire Classic 74 to 71. Breaking down the orange every week. Syracuse's defense dropped by 20 spots on Ken Palm last night. So that was really embarrassing. I think Malik Brown should be getting more minutes. He shows the energy. I think he brought energy when he came to the floor. And talking with the industry's experts. We're joined by a very special guest and a friend of the podcast, Brent Axe. We now have the pleasure of being joined by David Thompson from the USA Today Network. We're joined by a very special guest. It's former SU men's lacrosse star and current ESPN analyst, Paul Carcaterra. It's the Ostrom Avenue podcast from WAER. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ostrom Avenue podcast. Today is Friday, March 1st. Big emphasis there on the word March. February is in the rearview mirror. My name is Ethan Frank. And for the first time in quite a while, maybe it's been like a month, you're alongside Jordan Leonard. Jordan, how are you? I don't think it's been a month. I think you're forgetting that the week you were in the you were on vacation to an undisclosed location that I, Hudson and I covered for you. So I, it hasn't been a month. It has been a couple of weeks, though. Um, but you you did uh, you did just get me to realize that it is March 1st. It's March I was, 1st. I was totally shook. Happy pay your uh, rent day. It's March 1st. And usually, <laughs> usually, usually in February, March 1st would be yesterday because of the leap year. But wow. I mean, the months go by so fast. You know, yesterday, <laughs> February, you know, February 29th is Adrian Autry's birthday. He's 13. Is it to the 29th or is it 28th? I believe it's the 29th. He turned 13 yesterday. That's what I saw. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I believe he said um, uh, he was asked about that on uh, Orange Nation with Paulie and Steve on ESPN Syracuse. And uh, and he said he wished he could go back to being 13 years old. Um, it was but, pretty dynamic when he was 13 on the court. <laughs> um, yeah, as always, we're brought to you by Empire Hearing and Audiology. We thank them very much for their support of the show recording this early on Friday morning, because Jordan and myself, we got a flight to catch around noon today off to Louisville, where we'll be uh, taking in some Syracuse basketball against the Cardinals uh, tomorrow evening on Saturday, a must win for the orange and speaking of the men's basketball team, talk about them a little bit. We're going to do a take factory today. Take factory is back for volume three. Um, But before we get into the takes, I do want to say, being at the game as a fan against Notre Dame on Saturday for Jim Beheim Day and then calling the game on Tuesday against Virginia Tech, it was great to be there for the last two home games of the season. Um, and especially on 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 Beheim Day, seeing all the former players, uh, just how big the spectacle was, the emotions and whatnot. It was a it was a very cool experience. Jordan, I know you were busy with it with a different activity, but just wanted to get that out that Syracuse did a very good job honoring someone who legitimately made the has made not only the university but the city of Syracuse a place people know all across the country and even in, in parts of the world and without Jim Behan that wouldn't be the case yeah for sure I mean Tyler one of our WAER staff members Tyler Aiken and I were were at Notre Dame for the women's lacrosse game so kind of traded places with the men's basketball team um, but we were watching the tribute video that they played at the game I don't know if they put it at halftime or after the game but they posted on Twitter and both Tyler and I were getting chills. I mean, that video was awesome just to see 
the impact the one that Autry the narrated. Yes, the one that yes. Autry narrated. Yes, that play on the jump. Um, yeah, the the just to see like that and to kind of feel that. I also made um a story for the broadcast about Jim Beheim the player, which was interesting because you hear you know obviously a lot about Jim Beheim the coach because he's been there for forty seven years now. But you go back to Jim Beheim as the player playing with Dave Bing and all of those guys and how you know it's kind of like he. He wasn't a star, but he had a very big impact in terms of his knowledge, and he ended up taking that to coaching for for the last forty seven plus years, um, which was really interesting to learn as well. And I think part of Beheim's speech takes us to where I want to go next. Is you know he he you know of course he couldn't help but get a few jabs in during his speech first at his former players and the team for not playing any defense in the second half against Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, that was one jab, and then he also threw a jab at his. At Joe Lenardi saying, no matter what Joe Lenardi says, that Syracuse is still on the bubble. And Jim, I'm feeling it. I got my Syracuse hat on if you're watching this on YouTube. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the mojo, the momentum. I'm so excited that I, Jordan, last night I had a dream that about uh, the ACC tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. I had a dream Syracuse was down by 29 points at halftime, 42 to 13, and came back to win. To who? I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't remember who it was. <laughs> All I know is that Syracuse came back from a 29-point halftime deficit to win in the ACC tournament that propelled them to the NCAA tournament. That's I, I where my brain is right. That's where I, my brain is right now. I'm so excited about the possibility of Syracuse having a chance, even so small, at the dance that I'm dreaming about Syracuse basketball. I I think you're thinking about the Notre Dame game where they had a 29-point lead and almost blew it uh, in the end. But no, I I I do think that. Syracuse is on the bubble, assuming they take care of business against Louisville on Saturday, because that gets them to 20 wins. Like, no matter as much as this net ranking talk, like it's one of the stupidest metrics. I think you you just look at um, who was it? Scott Van Pelt the other day. You sent this to me. Is like the way that you can game the net to make your net ranking higher. Right. Syracuse's net. For those who are upset about what Syracuse's net ranking is, it it's based on like predictive analytics. And Syracuse's resume is close wins and blowout losses. And that's not a recipe to be ranked high in the net, no matter how many games you win. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you're favored, you're, you get more favor if you blow teams out. Um, and you think back to Syracuse's losses, uh, 17 points to Tennessee. And what was closer than that? But when the final margin 17, that's all that matters. You lose by almost 20 to Gonzaga. You lose by almost 20 to Virginia. You lose by 20 to Duke. You lose by 36 to North Carolina. Um, you lose by almost 30 to Wake Forest. You, I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, like that's, that's yeah. what it is. That that's it. But you only yeah, wins it, against the projected field right now for Syracuse are a 24 point comeback win over Colgate in November. And then the upset over Carolina, that's it. That's the story of Syracuse season. I mean, if you look at it too, there's just not as many quad one games based on what the net rankings are within the ACC. So they haven't taken advantage of the opportunities, like you just said, with the Duke and Virginia. That's why I think the ACC tournament's very big. It's like if you beat Louisville, I think you have to beat Clemson to really be on the bubble, like yeah. legitimately. Yeah. But then if you go to the ACC tournament, you're automatically going to get matched up with somebody behind you, which is you just need to win that game objectively and then you, you go forward then then that's where you can make up some ground if you beat a virginia if you beat a duke if you awake, beat a north carilina awake, a second time right, awake. awake like if you i think you need to 
you know, win out, obviously, because you have to get that quad one win against Clemson. You can't have the bad loss against Louisville. But then you got to get one of those quality wins in that second round of the ACC tournament because that's what you're that's what the resume is lacking. It's not lacking total wins. It's not lacking taking care of business. Obviously, every team's going to have a slip up or two. Right. To at go this back point, if you're on the, the bubble, college, right. right. At this point, on the, if you're on the bubble, you're probably going to have a quad three loss or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. But if you can then kind of get the Clemson wins, which would be quad one, get another quality win, then you're legitimately talking about, okay, this team's now at probably 22, 23 wins. Like that's a legit consideration for the NCAA I think, right. Tournament. I think it's. If they beat Louisville and then they beat Clemson, I think they only have to win one game at the ACC tournament to be in. But, but it really just depends on what that one game right. is. Like you right, could end right, up playing right Boston now, College. Right. But that, I, yeah, and that's not good. Um, but I do. Th- if you beat Clemson, that will matter enough that I think if you win at least only one game in the ACC tournament, I think you're in. If you don't beat Clemson, then you probably need to win at least two, maybe a third game in the ACC tournament and get to the final. Um, I don't think you'd have to win the tournament because if you get to the final, that means you're, you probably won two quad one games along the way. Um, and if not two quad ones, then definitely a quad two and a quad one. Um, so I, I, that's my official prediction right now, but they could lose to Louisville on Saturday and this could all be for not, which would yeah, be just, just which would just be a shame. But like just the rush I felt over the past few days of like, Oh, Oh, they could do it. They could do it. There's a path. There's a path. It's just, <laughs> it's just so exciting. You know, like I have said this many times, Syracuse basketball is my favorite team on planet earth has, has always been, will always be um, no matter who the players are, no matter who the coaches has been, will always be my favorite team. Um, so experiencing this you know for the final time as a student as a senior is is very exciting and hopefully you know at the kfcm center on saturday they won't they won't disappoint us yeah well that that would be the most epic thing is you win three games in a row against teams that you should beat and then louisville the worst team in the conference the worst you, team go, in the conference. you go to them um yeah, that would be bad yeah that would be bad uh some other news around around syracuse around central new york Another tough men's lacrosse loss on Wednesday in overtime to a top 10 team. No, we don't need to dwell on it too much. I mean, Hudson and I talked about it uh, last week, uh, talked about the Utah game, you know, in relation to the overtime loss to Maryland, which I know you saw firsthand, Jordan. And then you were at the big women's lacrosse upset as well. But I feel like the main story is the women's basketball team, um, a overtime loss at NC State, a ranked NC State last night. I was watching – I was locked into this pretty much the entire second half last night. Um, And it was a fascinating basketball game, just back and (laughs) forth and back and forth, a little bit sloppy at times, but you think it was a foul at the end. It it looked like a foul. I thought it was, it looked like, I I thought it was a foul too. It looked like Alyssa Latham. Yeah. So Syracuse had the ball with under 10 seconds to go. The Asia Fair got double teamed at the top of the key, throws it over to Isabel Verajao in the left corner, who had a terrific horrible decision, game. by the way. Yeah, had a terrific game though. She was she was great. Yeah, she was great. Uh, but like Marajau, the fact that she threw it over to Verajao in the Marajau in the left the corner for three, three. <laughs> comes up way short air balls. Alyssa Latham is waiting under the rim. She catches it on the left block and goes up for a layup and gets fouled. And they call the foul and they go to review to see if there was time on the clock and they put point one on the clock. This was Syracuse trailing by two. And Latham, the freshman, makes both free throws to send it to overtime. I mean, absolute clutch genes. I know. I was on the edge of my seat for that. (laughs) But, yeah. But they didn't end up winning the game. Just a little bit too much to overcome. Wes Moore is terrific. Uh, Down at NC State, a wise man once said, one of the best coaches of all time. 
uh, Westmore, but um, I, I, he might be the ACC coach. Him and Felicia Leggett, Jack, probably a two-horse race for ACC coach of the year at this point. I, I honestly think that Felicia Leggett, Jack, is the better choice just because, like, nobody thought Syracuse was going to make it this far. Like, I don't know what – I don't have the, the preseason poll in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they're picked at least – the lowest, uh, the highest being eighth. They're picked ninth. Syracuse like, was they, ninth, and NC State was eighth. NC, I believe NC State was eighth. I'm pretty sure. I'll double check. NC State's been in the top, the in the top part of the conference pretty much the entire year. I, I think what Syracuse has done in the last two years, if you take that into account, for sure, that Felicia Leggett Jack has just done a great job. One because like just staying in that game, like. If you're a not real like top twenty five team going on the road against an NC State like that, you're not going to keep it close. You're not going to fight back. You're not going to kind of. They were down early in the game. They they fought back, took a lead, and kind of was back and forth and and forcing overtime. Like, that just shows kind of how real Syracuse women's basketball is right now. So here I got the preseason poll in front of me. It is NC State was picked to finish eighth and Syracuse ninth. Virginia Tech, who isn't first, was picked to win the league. Um, then Notre Dame, North Carolina, Louisville, Florida State, Miami, Duke, then NC State and Syracuse. Um, so, so NC State's uh, been impressive too, but yes, both have been very impressive. Uh, but Syracuse, you know, if they wanted to, Westmore's host, been there for a while though, 10 years. If they wanted to host NCAA tournament games, probably needed to win that game, I would say, unless they win the ACC tournament and beat like a Virginia Tech in the final or something. Would I you think say if they lose accurate? in the final, it's, I think if they lose in the final, it's fine. Just depends on, because like right now they're there's right now they're slated to match up with Duke in that first game on Friday, and then not they would good, face, not good, not good, not bad good, matchup, bad matchup. And then they would then they would face one of Louisville, NC State, or Virginia Tech. If you beat Duke and one of those teams back to back, I think that gets yeah. you a four seed. Or you only higher, need to win three games. But, yeah, and you only need to win yeah, three games. If if they won last night, that's a different story. Then they probably just need to win one. Um, but yeah. NC State was a three seed going into last night. So if they beat him on the road, that would have probably launched him to the four line, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. But Syracuse, I think the women's team, like the men's team, specializes in close, close wins. And the times they've lost, yeah. it's been a blowout or it's been besides Maryland, it's been double figures. Um, so we'll we'll except for last night, of course. Um, so we'll see what happens there. All right. I think, I think I'm ready to get into the take factory. Are you ready to, to get into the factory? The DTS I'm, has cooked up something interesting. I'm ready. Today. All right. I'll start. Cause I'm feeling good. I, I, I did a lot of research for this take. Um, and I wish Hudson was here. Cause I think he would, he would have a big reaction to it. Um, all right. My take here is going to be on the third edition of the Ostrom take factory. Is that Naheem McLeod is more important to Syracuse than we thought? Oh, jeez. That's my take. Okay, ready? Syracuse currently 87th in offense and 75th on defense in Ken Palm. Um, those are just some very broad numbers to start in offensive and defense efficiency. If you remember on a previous take factory, I said that Syracuse by the end of January would have a top 50 defense on Ken Palm, which they did. And they were, and they were about, they were top 35, I want to say. And now they're all the way down to 75th. Um, so let me give you some numbers. Here's a number courtesy of friend of the program, Tim Leonard, that he tweeted out on when was February 27th, Tuesday. This is. I think during the game on Tuesday against Virginia Tech, Bart Torvik rankings for Syracuse, pre-Naheem McLeod injury, 
offense, 160th defense, 31st. Since January 16th, this doesn't include the Virginia Tech game, offense 40th, defense 138th. Just a complete switch in philosophy in team. You go heavy defense to then heavy offense. It's because he um, doesn't provide any offense. And then here's some more. Here's from uh, Shields on Hoops, who's a terrific follow for Syracuse fans on Twitter. Uh, top five offensive efficiency games for the Orange this season. UNC at home, NC State on the road, Canisius, Notre Dame, and Louisville. And then Virginia Tech was sixth. Five out of six of those, Naheem McLeod did not play. So you're like, huh, where, why is he more important than we thought, Ethan? Well, because, you know, of the last five games, four of the highest offensive efficiency performance of the season. This team has the 23rd best offense in the country over the last 10 games compared to the 182nd ranked defense. You look at Syracuse's four best defensive performances this season. Three of them came with McLeod in the lineup. Tennessee, LSU, and Oregon, and then the first time they played Boston College, which was actually the first game without him when Malik Brown got his first start of Syracuse's four worst defensive performances this season. Three came without McLeod in the lineup. Wake, Louisville, Notre Dame, and that Virginia game in December. McLeod on Bart Torvik still has the sixth highest player rating on the team. That's ahead of the dismissed Benny Williams. That's ahead of Kyle Cuff ahead of Justin Taylor, and ahead of backup centers Munir Hima and Peter Carey. So he only trails... It's a great list right there. He only trails the four starters that are Taylor and Quadir Copeland uh, in terms of a player rating on Bart Tormik. Here's And then here's the kicker. Before McLeod went out, Syracuse blocked five or more shots in a game nine times out of 14 games. And since he went out, that's only happened three times in 15 games. A huge, huge drop-off. So basically what I'm saying is Syracuse's defense, I think, you know, originally when Malik Brown was first coming in and through the end of January before I would say BC and Wake Forest, and it was what, five games where we were like, okay, like this isn't terrible. Like they're totally fine without McLeod. Um, and, you know, Hudson will stand for Malik Brown for anything. So like, he was like, get Naheem at it. Like, I didn't think, I wouldn't be surprised if on a previous take factory, they're like, Naheem McLeod, get out of here. I believe someone said on the double overtime, Naheem McLeod uh, in, a, in a game, like they wouldn't bring Naheem McLeod back next year. Um, so like, that's where people are with Naheem McLeod. But since Malik Brown has had to take this beating, Syracuse and, and guard bigger players on a consistent basis, it's not easy. And especially without a reliable backup, it has made Syracuse's defense a lot, lot worse. They've had to go to zone a decent amount because McLeod hasn't been there. And not having the ability to give Malik Brown a breather when he's banging bodies with 6'9", 265 Melagio Poteet of Virginia Tech or however big Armando Baycott is. Like, I thought Tuesday against Virginia Tech might have been Malik Brown's worst defensive game of the season. Um, I was really, you know, I didn't think his rotations were very good. He wasn't really staying in front of people, and he was getting bullied on the block, whether it was Poteet or whether it was Lynn Kidd, two guys bigger and, and with more mass than him. I, I think Syracuse, especially on defense, misses Naheem McLeod and he's more important to their success than we thought it's taken what six weeks for them to fully adjust to be an offensive minded team um 
because and and obviously Benny not being there as well as a six nine guy hurts, but I think McLeod is is more important than that just because of the frame he provides and he allows Malik Brown not to have to take a beating against a DJ Burns or someone like that in the post every single night. It took a month for Syracuse to adjust to finally being an offensive team from a defensive team and. In that month of adjustment period, they almost lost to Louisville at home. They got absolutely smacked around by Wake Forest, an embarrassing loss at Boston College, um, a really bad loss against Georgia Tech, and now they finally found their stride. But it took a while, and it's not very sustainable, in my opinion. I feel like the take like doesn't apply anymore, though, because they've won three straight and they're on fire on offense. And like Naheem McLeod didn't offer any offense. That was the thing. Like, yeah, sure, he applied for he applied he, he applied for defense because he was seven foot four and he could block four shots per game. But if you're not giving anything on offense, there like if you look at it, he wasn't even playing as much as Malik Brown. He was getting ten minutes per game. But you so don't I need. Like it's hard I, yeah. to, I don't think he needs more than 10 minutes per game as a problem. Malik Brown's having to play. Yeah, but how much is he impacting the game in the 10 he minutes clearly he's is. on the floor? He clearly is with these shots. They're 9-6. and six. They're 9-6 and six when Naheem McLeod is – since Naheem McLeod's injury. What were they before? So if they're 9-6, and six, they're what? 10-4 and four before because they're 19-10. 10-4. Yeah, ten and four, and that's all. That's all including non-conference play when you play Canisius and you play New Hampshire. You take two though. You take those two wins off. You're eight and four. You take the Shamanon win off. You're seven and four. I mean, you play Cornell. You're 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 six and four. You play Georgetown, which is an easier easier game than any ACC game. You're five and four. Like you look at you take Niagara off. Like <laughs> you like you look at the schedule. Obviously, the schedule has been a lot harder since since Naheem McLeod got injured than it was beforehand. And if you look at these games that they lost. Um, you look at the North Carolina game, totally can point to the lack of interior presence. Totally agree with that. If Naheem McLeod is actually in the game, I don't know how much he improves it. He could, he could not. I don't really know. The Wake Forest game, you could also point to that with Efton Reed, who was down low, just Malik Brown having to compete with him. I didn't think Quentin Post really put Boston College over the edge necessarily because the the second game where they played, it was the second time they played without Naheem McLeod. Um, in the lineup and Malik Brown was guarding him and he guarded him the first time and held him to zero points. Um, so I just, I don't see how the impact is, is but all warranted. You need I, is I, I see the, I see the analytics side. I see the analytics side of how the defense has, has, has gone down. And obviously when you take your seven foot four guy out on the defensive side, it's going to make an impact because of just his presence in the paint. But I think if you look at the overall team, especially now, like, I guess there was a transition period, sure, but even with Naheem McLeod in the lineup, I don't necessarily think if you take offense and defense combined, because his offense was not great, it makes that much of a difference in this team. I I, ju- I think it's honestly more of like getting Malik Brown a breather and you have some sort of trust that things will be okay if he is off the floor. Because That's a any- fair point. Because any time that Peter Carey or Munir Hima is on the floor, one, they can't really play more than a media timeout to media timeout stretch. And two, they both look kind of incompetent when they're when they're out there against any sort of functional big man. And 
Adrian Autry had, like, I think it was right before, like, I think the under 12 timeout, it took a while to get there on Tuesday. Like it wasn't until like 10 minutes left in the first half. And Malik Brown was gassed going up and down the floor, having to battle with the bodies of, of Virginia tech. And obviously Syracuse won the game comfortably and, and whatnot, but like, you could tell how much of a, a burden this, this puts on Malik Brown and he's not going to complain. He's not going to say anything because, you know, as, as his teammates, he's humble leak. Um, that's what that's what they call him um because he won't say anything but he'll just do his thing and, and get the job done it's literally all you need is 10 minutes 10 to 12 minutes of of decent other big man play just to give Malik Brown a rest and if you need some size and I mean the shot blocking numbers I think are the most like Syracuse for the longest time has been one of the best shot blocking teams in the country whether you look at Jesse Edwards being a center or, or Pascal Truk or you keep going back in Tyler Lydon and Rakeem Christmas and Arinze Walker. like you I could go back forever and tell you who the starting center was and and what kind of shot blocking numbers they were giving you because they were probably close to averaging two blocks a game if you were starting at center at Syracuse uh if not more so I, I it's all you need is 10 to 12 minutes. And I think this defense would be much better than how it has been playing of late where you give up 80 points in, in, in what you give up 80 to almost 80 to Carolina in a win. You give up over 80 to NC state in a win. You give up over 80 to Notre Dame in a win. And then Virginia Jackie only 71, which was, I was better. And Autry said it was better, but I think, you know, these defensive lapses, especially in the second half would be avoided if Malik Brown got some sort of rest and he could be a little bit fresher in the second half because he is probably your best defensive player. I just think it's a two-sided argument where yes, the defense would get better because the guy you're putting in a seven foot four and can play defense. But when you're also putting him in the game, the offense is going to take a massive hit. No matter if Malik Brown and Nahim McLeod's on the floor, you're not feeding the post. The only thing they do is dump offs and Malik Brown did that 10 times better in terms of getting a dump off and laying it up and in than Naeem McLeod did. So if you look at it, you got to also subtract offense from that. So I don't think it would, I think it was a, it is a pretty even trade where, yeah, you lose defense with Naeem McLeod, but you're also losing on offense. So you got to factor that in, in, in terms of the overall game. I do get the point and it's valid point where Malik Brown just needs a rest. I just also think there's a contributing factor to that being that Benny Williams was tossed from the team. Like if Benny Williams was on the team, he could play the five for five minutes and like maybe Peter Carey for two. Like there's a lot more options where you could put Benny at the five and get Malika rest, you know, with two minutes left until a media timeout. So I, I think that's also a contributing factor in terms of you talking about Malik Brown being tired because he's the only guy that, that's, I mean, him. He's he's the tallest player in the court most of the times, and then Chris Bell, who's six seven. So, like, that's just not a recipe for success when you lose, especially your guy who's six nine who can jump out of the gym and Benny Williams about two thirds of the way through the year. Yeah, I I think that's fair, but I I think we did see when Benny was playing small ball five against teams that had an actual center that still wasn't going very well. Well, any team with an actual center, Syracuse has obviously looked worse, and they yes, don't have an yeah. actual center on the floor. Yeah, I respect your counter argument. The only game that the only game that you could point to that Syracuse has played well against an actual center, um, would be the Boston College game number one when they shut down Quinton Post and. NC State, they've shut they they played DJ Burns pretty well both times. But uh, I mean, I guess North Carolina too with Armando yeah. Baycott. But other than that, I mean, they bet they were bad against Efton Reed. 
They were bad against PJ Hall. Um, they were bad against Brandon Huntley Hatfield the first time. Yeah, they uh, which is interesting because PJ Hall is a stretch five. It might you would think match up better with Malik, but I guess not. Like so, it hasn't really even been the the centers that have really. I mean, the centers have been the reasons why they've lost games, but. I don't know. I just don't. I don't think Nahim makes that big of a difference. Okay. I think he would make some sort of a difference. Um, and I think it's more than people will give him credit for. So that's kind of what I want. I think. So you think he makes more of a difference than? Um, well, I guess. I, I think don't know he how make, I think about it more than Justin to- Taylor. That's that's comparing apples to oranges. Like yeah, that's, I was, that's, when I well, so I when I was thinking it, I was like, ah. Eh. <laughs> no, like that didn't. I don't even know how I would compare. I don't even know how you would yeah. compare that. I mean, he does have a higher player efficiency rating. I like, but well, we all know you love Torvik. They do very different things. Um, all right, what's your take? I don't really have a take on this men's basketball team because I just, you know, they right now they're just winning games that they're supposed to win for the most part. Maybe other than the NC State game, you could say they should have lost. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing really intriguing to me on men's basketball. For me, more it's on men's lacrosse and just given their first, you know, stretch of games. And it's been now two years and Gary Gates still has not won a top five game or three years now, two and a half. If you're counting this season, he still has not won a top five game. He is oh, and I believe 11 now. He was oh, and nine heading into Maryland against top five teams. He's won one top 10 game. He has not been able to beat top 10 teams which is where Syracuse should be in men's lacrosse given their talent and they are right now and you look at the Maryland game it came down to the wire a no goal call you know oh no you lose like that that's just not much you can do about that an army game again in overtime you do not score on the first possession that's the problem is when you get to overtime you have to score in that first possession especially if it's not the first time you're in overtime and you end up losing that game However, I still think that Syracuse will make Final Four weekend, given uh, for, for men's lacrosse. I believe that these two games early in the season are going to actually teach them an enormous amount of time. And you think about it right now. Most of their guys on the field, Joey Spillina, Michael Leo, Finn Thompson, and guys on defense, Riley Figueres won in playoff last year, so he's still trying to figure it out. But all of these guys are are sophomores, so they learned a lot from last year, but they're going to learn even more from the first couple games, first stretch of games this season. So I think that these two top five losses are going to put such a pit in their stomach where they're going to continue to, you know, they're going to get enough quality wins in the season, whether it be a Johns Hopkins, a Delaware, a Duke. I think Duke's pretty beatable. I think Notre Dame's beatable. I think Virginia is definitely a loss, but Virginia's just goaded this year um, with Lars Tiffany, our Shout guy. Out Lars. Shout um, out Lars. Um, but they're going to get, they're going to win enough games to make the NCAA tournament. And then that's where the, the experience of a Will Mark, who's a grad student, is going to kick in. Jake Stevens, Sam English are both grad students. And then because they've went through this trials and tribulations against a top four team in Maryland, a top five team in Army, and they lost in overtime and they went down to the wire, that experience is going to kick in in the NCAA tournament. And they're, I think they're going to make the final four, at least maybe, if not in the national championship game. So you're optimistic about lacrosse. I'm optimistic about basketball, uh, riding the trains at the moment. I mean, I believe there is a pretty prominent soundbite from yours truly that plays often on WAER uh, commercials where, uh, where I say, or maybe, I don't know if it's commercials. Maybe it's in a, maybe it's in, is it in the sports night open? where I talk about how Syracuse, uh, they're gaining all this valuable experience uh, oh, in, lo- in losses. Yeah, 
if you so if you listen to Sports Night from eight to nine p.m. on experience, WNBR, you gotta win the games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? They gotta win the games. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Oh, you know, we're learning. Uh, you know, you know, Coach Gate can't sugarcoat a loss like Coach Jack can. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not, I'm done with the wins. I'm, no lessons. No, it's time to win. Uh, okay. I'm done with the excuses and, and, and the, you know, uh, taking it, you know, take as much <laughs> accountability and ownership as you want. I need to see some results. Okay. Uh, and I understand that, you know, the core of this team is mostly still sophomores. And would I be surprised if they had a deep run in them at some point to the NCAA tournament? No. Uh, that being the Spalina, Thompson, uh, Leo, Roa group, uh, all all those players. Um, and obviously, you know, once, you know, your players like Wilmark graduate and you don't have them anymore, you have players like Jimmy McCool in the pipeline that could take over um, for him. And then, you know, players John around the rest of the field as well. Yeah, John Mullen, who might even be better than Mason Cohn. Um, and we'll, we'll see. That's just from yeah. people I've talked to who have said very high things in regard to John Mullen. Um, I mean, like, I I don't think you can learn that much in season. Like, I I don't I, think I, I, I disagree. I actually I don't think you can, in a in as short of a season as lacrosse season is, where you Saturday tomorrow is senior day on March second. Well, it's because they play all their home games early. Yeah, that that's for, why it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, but it's just like. I, I I personally no longer have the faith that at this season there can be a deep run because of what I've seen so far. I don't think you can learn and adjust, and I don't think you can learn how to win in season. I don't think that happens in season. I disagree with that. I think you can because – Maybe you, over the course you, of a four-month NFL season or a six-month well, NBA okay, season. Well, okay, this is a two-month lacrosse season. Two months, gotta, it's exactly. Kind of, it's kind of exactly – well, you play like every Saturday. You have an entire week between games for the most part. Not every single week, but for the most part. If you if you look at it, you got to also remember these two teams that they lost to were the top – two of the top five teams in the country. And, yes, to get to the Final Four, you need to beat one of those. But to get to, let's say, the round of – Whatever the the round the lead eight the round but before you that you got to get there first you, you, you got to get there first and they yeah, haven't beaten anyone okay. to get there. Well, I mean, if you look at their schedule, if assuming they take care of business against a high point against a Delaware against a Hobart, and then it's just a pick 'em of who you beat after that. Like you beat Hopkins, do you beat Duke? Do you beat Notre Dame? Do you beat Cornell? Do you beat North Carolina? Yeah, to beat North Carolina. Do you beat Virginia? Like then you just got to get above 500 because their schedule is one of the hardest in the country. If you look at RPI and strength of schedule. So all they need to do is get above 500 and they'll make the NCAA tournament. In my opinion, then once you get there, it's about beating those teams. So I, I do, I do truly think that the Maryland game and the, the army game, I think because it goes to overtime and you get that gutch punt, sudden death, uh, sudden death win, and you have to watch the other team celebrate. I really do think you can learn a lot from that. And it inspires the fire. It's not even just learning. It's like, you know, I'm tired of freaking losing. Like, we we need to go out and win this game. Or and it, and it gives them where they've been in that situation before. A close game down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Owen Hiltz ties it up. They, they did that against Maryland, too. A close game in overtime. They have now failed twice at winning that game. That's got to do something the next time they are in that situation. 
I'm looking at the inside lacrosse media poll right now. So the teams left on Syracuse's schedule still. Number one, Duke. Number two, Virginia. Number six, Number Notre one, Duke Day. hasn't played anyone, though, to be fair. Syracuse is number seven. Number eight, Johns Hopkins. Number nine, Cornell. And then number 18, North Carolina. And number 19, Delaware. Besides and High, High Point's receiving votes. Right. Yeah. And, and High Point is receiving votes. Like... So I, I'm not exactly I, I it's hard to tell how good a, a team is at this point, but like who who did who's who what's the deal with Hopkins? Like who Hopkins lost to Denver by one to open the season. Denver's early and they beat North Carolina by they, four. They beat they Georgetown, beat, yeah, beat they Notre beat, Dame. Um like, that's not gonna be an easy win. Like they play they Virginia, yeah. they play Virginia, they play Virginia tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll be um, interesting. Like it'll be interesting to see. Like, I guess you could say like yeah, they should beat North Carolina and they should beat Delaware, but both those games aren't at home. They're both either neutral site or road games. Um, and yeah, but Delaware is kind of like Delaware is kind of like uh, who'd they play last year that was technically ranked? I don't know, but I, I the point is I have no idea how this team is going to fare on the road uh, because we haven't seen it up to this point. I'm not exactly sure why Gary Gates schedules the way he does. Obviously, it's very cold. We got six to eight inches of snow uh, on Thursday here after it was 65 degrees on Wednesday. So shout out global warming. Um, but like, how do you prepare your oh, team Princeton. for success playing the first seven games of the season at home or eight, however many games it is at home? Um, I don't know if it's like a prepares for success type thing. I just think it's because they play in a dome and it's cold early in the year and you're not going to go to Cornell when there's six feet, six inches of snow on the ground. We'll see. We'll You're see. not going to go to Delaware when there's when it's like in the 40s. I guess so. I go there in I'm the just, 50s. You know what? I'm just glad your take wasn't what Hudson said last week, where he pointed out the fact that Syracuse is playing Delaware about a half hour outside of Washington D.C. and asked if Chantilly. It, yeah, in Chantilly, Virginia, and suggested that maybe you know the president of the United States, who has ties to both Syracuse and Delaware, would attend the game. That was that was something you think Hudson you think the president week. of the United States is going to attend a college That's lacrosse game? Hudson said he said he thought there was more, greater than a zero percent chance. That's insane. So yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, I have no comment to that. that no that's com- just no uh, comment. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so we'll see. High point tomorrow, and then and then you start getting into all these ranked teams uh, again. And you won't stop. It's like the the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, Can't Stop. Syracuse Can't Stop Playing Ranked Opponents. Great song. Great Great song. song. Um, My walk-up song in high school for baseball. Really? What position did you play? Let me guess. Let me guess. First base? I was going to say third base. When do you think – where in the order do you think I hit? Fifth. Fifth or sixth. Sometimes. Fifth or sixth. I mostly hit fourth. but Mm, Clean up uh, better. I I got moved back to fifth a couple times for the season. All right. I could see it. Just a big power hitting right-handed first baseman. Yeah. I was one of the only guys on the, when you hit in the four spot, they basically threw you a curveball on every first pitch. And I was one of the only guys that was willing enough to let that go in for a strike and be down. Oh, and one. You, <laughs> you scream, you're screaming Luke Voigt to me right now. That's kind of the vibes. Luke I'm Voigt. That's I mean, kind of the vibes I'm it means I'm, it means I'm, I'm, I'm lifting some weights. <laughs> it's kind of the vibes I'm getting. I can't say Pete. There's no way you were that good. <laughs> no, there's no way I was that good. I, I, I'm there less of a right power hitter, me. to be fair. There you go. I'm less of a power hitter, to be fair. I was more of like a, I would drive it to the gaps. Um, yeah. 
Oh, you're like oh. you're a gap to gap hitter. So Keith Hernandez. Yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm legit a gap to gap hitter. A gap to gap hitter. Okay, good to know. Um, not many more things satisfying than a right hander just taking one absolutely ballistic to the gap in right center. Uh, there very, or a lefty to the gap in left center. Very satisfying. One of the most true statements I think I've heard in in the last couple of weeks. Very. That is a take you cannot argue. Um. Well, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Ostrom Take Factory WAR. Just so much content all 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 day every day. First of all, Friday night sports night tonight from 8 to 9 p.m. talking everything. Probably similar things to what we talked about, but uh you know, they'll have different views, different opinions on what's going on around central New York. And then two game broadcasts tomorrow, Jordan and I will be in Louisville for the basketball game. That's an eight o'clock tip off. And then lacrosse as well starts at five question mark, five o'clock in the dome for senior day on March 2nd. Um, and then uh, basketball starts at eight. Second to last game of the regular season for Syracuse. Of course, we'll be back next week with more content. Make sure you're following us on social media at Ostrom Avenue Pod and check out our YouTube channel as well, the Ostrom Avenue Podcast YouTube page. Thanks again to Empire Hearing and Audiology for their support of the show. And thank you so much for listening. For Jordan, I'm Ethan, and we'll talk to you next week.